Greetings, folks. Welcome to Sound Thinking. I'm Marty Duda, and today we've got a crew of people ready to review four new albums for you. Uh, we have Graham Reed is back uh, to talk about, let's see, the Britney Howard record. We have Andra Jenkins. She's here to talk about a, a local band called The Transit. They're mostly local. And a new guy, Chris Warren, is uh, he's a musician. He plays with Cowboy Dan. He's going to talk about the new Idols album. And Ronica Bell is here to talk about Chelsea Wolfe. So welcome all, one and all. Thank you for doing this today. And um, since you're the new guy, Chris, we're going to throw you in uh, right at the beginning. Oh, the, the new Idols album is coming out on Friday. You've had an advanced chance to listen to it. What are you thinking about it? I'm loving this record. Um, I've been playing it all week and felt the need to return to it. It didn't feel like work at all having to review this record. Oh, really well, natural record. <laughs> Yeah, it helps that I was a fan too. Uh, but um, for a little bit of context, for those who may be less familiar with Idols, uh, they are primarily a punk rock band out of Bristol. Um, they formed in 2009, but really only hit their stride around 2017, uh, their debut, Brutalism. So they haven't been around that long, yet they've put out like five records since they broke through. So really productive band. Um, I, I think they stood out from their peers because they have a really percussive guitar sound, like really angular post-punk guitar buzz um, and an incredible drummer, which I'll talk about on this new record as well. Mm -hmm. um, their front man, Joe Talbot, um, he... I think he helped them stand out from the mix as well. He's someone who wears his heart on his sleeve. He sings about both the lighter and the darker shades of life. So lots of songs about community, mental health, acceptance. Um, but he's he's got quite an aggressive intensity. So a really potent example of like an emotionally attuned male. So I really like Joe as a front man. Um, oh, good. good. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, what's the title of the album? Yeah, the new one is called Tank. Uh, so T A N G K, um, and that title is um, uh, I understand to describe the sound of when your when your guitar pick hits your guitar. That tank sound like that right. happy, joyous music sound. Very good. And so maybe so, before, before you get into it, let's hear a, yeah, a yeah. segment of a track. Which one would you suggest as a good one to uh, to kick off the show with? I would say Gift Horse is a good track. That's uh, the third single off the record, and it gives you a taste of the a more general idol sound and the vibe of this record. Idols record. Uh, this tune is called Gift Horse, and we've got Chris here to tell us what he thinks of it. What do you think of it? <laughs> I think it's a wonderful record. Um, it it stands in as a it's a progression from their last couple of albums. Uh, the album before this one was called Crawler, and it was a darker, weirder, slower record, and quite explored a lot of sort of mental health, substance abuse themes. Whereas Tank. It's far more joyous in its themes. Um, they've uh, Joe Talbot has written lyrics that um, touch on gratitude, that touch on um, you know having love as a higher power. One of the uh, the lyrics that stands out to me: um, "No God, no King, love is the thing." So love is the theme of Tank. Okay, and it's produced by co-produced by Nigel Godridge, who everybody knows from uh, Radiohead, right? That's right. He produced OK Computer. So this is a pretty cool sort of sidestep for idols, kind of moving away from their comfort zone of punk and they're stepping into some really new textures on Tank. 
right? Okay. All right, and I see there's a track with LCD sound system in there. Which one is that? And That's right. So that was the first single called Dancer, which is actually like my least favorite track on this record. Right. Um, it's great hearing LCD sound system singing some backups, but the song... It's got a good groove in the verses, but it feels like a bit of a, a throwaway chorus. Maybe that means it's the obvious single. I don't know. But I think there's um, it's the most uh, surface-level track on this album for me. Um, the deeper cuts definitely stood out to me. All right, well, let's, let's play Dancer a little bit and let the folks make their own minds up. their new album it's called tank i think it's called tank or something akin to that and uh, what else we got to say about it there chris yes yeah, so i think the thing that makes this album unique is both the production um so it's it's co-produced by nigel godrick um by kenny beats who's primarily a hip-hop producer made a great record with denzel curry and their um guitar player mark uh bowden um so it's a collaboratively produced record and before they went into the sessions for this album uh nigel and the idols guitarist they spent a lot of time making samples and tape loops and so there's a lot of um layered weird sampled stuff going on deep in the mix uh, of this record which is is quite different for idols all right all right uh let's uh, let's see if andra has any thoughts about uh, the album did you give it a spin yeah yeah i did um I, I too thought it was a great record um and i have to agree with the the drumming standing out um it was it was really innovative it was building up to something and there was interesting effects um it, it's there was, was one point where the drums almost sounded like a pop balloon right. <laughs> um and so it was like they were really doing some really quirky interesting things um i think the the second track was my favorite um it's got edge and rhythm um and and then it gets thrashy and hardcore and kind of alt rocky very post punk but but a funk in there too a real banger that one um but then halfway through it sort of falls away and it feels like a totally different song at the end it, it, it was really right. interesting it's got the record's got groove there's kind of spoken words to bare bones tracks going on and and yeah like the, the, there's a lot going on in there but you can sort of see that radiohead influence um enemy named dancer is the 49th best song of 2023 which is uh, a reasonable accolade from yeah, that band uh, from, that, yeah. from that quarter um but yeah it's and dancer to me was more pure punk almost noise about at, at times you know or shriek back or b52s like i could really hear that that kind of vintage punk sound coming Alrighty. through I, 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 thought, cool. I thought it was a great and graham great did you listen i certainly did <laughs> and um uh you know i I'll be honest. I've, I'm, I'm not overly familiar with them. I've heard little bits and pieces over the years, uh, and I read a little bit of background about them. And I thought, oh God, you know, more bloody album is therapy. You know, people do that all the time. Yep. Uh, but then I, I heard this, and I just went, oh wow, this is an extraordinary album. I oh, think. Um, I mean, my, my comment would be, yeah, it's a drummer's album. You know, like the drums just get you on Roy and dances straight away. Um, and that, you know, that tough, hard edge guitar sound, absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and a, and a song like Pop, 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 I just thought that's a kind of, 
almost like an art music soundscape. I really, mm. really like yeah, that. Yeah, I like the way at the and end it, it kind of goes into this like weird psych, psychedelic drone yeah. thing that is very different from the band. And the other thing too is it's not always just sort of coming at you. And I, I do like this guy's lyrics. So, so yeah, this guy's he, he's come around, isn't he? He's out of the drugs and yep, he's yeah. you know he's sort of in a better place. And that's always a nice thing to hear. But um, but there, there are much more subtle tracks in there too, like gospel and grace. I, I really like those too. Yep. And so for me, it was a you know it was what I. What I like to think of, like an old school album, like it was a whole listening experience, and each track was discreet, you know, of its, of its own, um, and it all adds up to this this thing which you just go, wow, that was a journey and a half. Yep, yep. So I, I I loved it. I, I thought it was really very very special. All right. Yeah, and uh, for the old older fans, uh, if they like the old sound and want to hear it, I suggest they hear the track called Hall and Oates. It's kind of the mm. classic angry idol sound. So there is some some loud punk. I don't sure wh wh what hollow notes have to do with anything. Although I know they're arguing amongst themselves, so maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, new idols albums. That's just what we need right now. All right, let's uh, move on from there to Andra, who is talking about a band called the Transits. Who are these Transits? They are originally from Durban in South Africa, sort of AKA about thirty years ago. Um, they they were all like in a teen garage band together called Cabbage. Not a um, great name, is it? To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and apparently the songs that they were doing then they just kind of came back to literally thirty years later that that teenage passion project. They thought, you know what, let's let's just give this another go with two of the members um, here in Auckland uh, and and one back in back in Durban still so they, they're doing this kind of I would have thought quite difficult production phase where they all individually play their instruments and then send on to the next person and they're doing that like really with multiple songs at the same time which is I mean I would have thought complex to kind of produce that way but it, it is well produced um it, it's again I, I really enjoyed the album it's got sort of some Snow Patrol, Green Day, kind of post-punk again stuff going on. Um, the, the the band themselves is Ryan Lunn on vocals, guitar, synth and production. He's the, he's the one still right. in Durban. And, and Tyrone Smith on dum, drums and Dom Antelmay in vocals and bass are, are based on All right, on so do we have a track? Maybe we can uh, give the folks a taste and see what we're talking about here. Yeah, I'd probably go with the single um, Heartbreak Queen. All right, let's give that a spin and then we'll, we'll come back and discuss further. Oh, that's the Transits, Heartbreak Queen. Andra Jenkins has given us the lowdown on this. They're a trio, two-thirds of which are based in Auckland. One is in South Africa. Which, uh, Chris, I'm curious. You're in a band. 
as a musician, can you imagine being in a band in that kind of uh, situation where you're not even all based in the same continent? I can because I'm in a band where I have a member in New Jersey and one in England. Um, so it's a very well, different go. way of writing and collaborating. Have to have a all little right, more structure. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, we heard Heartbreak Queen. What else do we need to hear about there, Andra? Well, I think Heartbreak Queen itself has got a really great video attached okay. too. Um, it's they're, they're sort of the, the conceit is that they're nuclear test dummies <laughs> in a band that kind of are about to be blown up and it's got this kind of skater feel definitely this sort of poppy but grungy like the Lemonheads or Dandy Warhols even it's really danceable you know it's it's pretty it's happy it's good there's a bit of edge in it you know it's melodic and fun um and it feels like they took the best of the Beatles and Nirvana and whatever punk they could find and just fused together the sound you know um I thought it was a great concept um and it's also kind of got this creepy feel as well. Like I could see this being uh, the track for a horror movie or, you know, a, you know, a band that plays in a horror movie, but it's got passion, you know, it's, it's, it feels familiar, but, but new, like the, the next album of a band you already right. well, love. Speaking of horror films, did you see the video for when you went away? <laughs> no, no. I mean, not, not the video itself, but I know it was award winning. Um, and, um, to me, it's woodwork at a rave or a house party on the car on the way to beach. It's a real summer song. It's a bit wistful, but you know the way you are when you're twenty and nothing's too permanent. Like it was, it was a great song. In, in the video, there's like some point that takes place in a, there's cadavers or corpses that are coming to life and, you know, somebody's finger moves and it's all, yeah. So I think that's part of their shtick because they're into horror flicks and skating culture and along with the usual punk and post-punk stuff. Everything's post-punk these days, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. <laughs> like the, there's a real big resurgence of pop-punk and post-punk stuff. I can hear it in almost yep, yep. everything. You know, we've, there's a real influence there. And, and this... I think it's um, Lun that that is doing a lot of that production stuff here, but it's you know the when you went away appeared on the project right. here. Why? Uh, How did that happen? <laughs> it was in within days of its release. Like uh, um, it, it's it got a fe- they got a feature in Rolling Stone, so they've they've kind of shot to fame really fast with this one, and they've already got songs for their next No Solution. Um, one of the tracks on this album is called no solution so bit of an odd choice to name the next album and it's already in the can from what i read they've already recorded the thing yeah yeah they've they've already they've already got some songs there they're happening so i mean i guess after 30 years you probably have a whole lot of partials or completed ones that haven't been mixed you know that I mean, when you're in a band you just you want to mix everything over and over and over (laughs) as time goes by (laughs) but they've obviously sped it up now that you know they've gotten to the south african top 40 a couple of times all right graham what do you got to say about it um just before i do say anything i just want to ask chris a question because it's something sure. that, that that i was thinking about when you're talking about this you know the long distance relationship um does that actually force you to be um you know, more focused, not waste time. Like you put three people in a studio, they're going to drink beer and sit around for half a day. Whereas if you're, you know, recording pieces with people overseas, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious. Does it make you kind of more focused and efficient to get the, to get to the end? It does. It makes you more selective about what you share. Like abandon a room, you can say, "Hey, I've got this cool idea. Let's see where it goes." Whereas before you share a file. Um, online you sort of have to have a more complete idea for someone else to be able to contribute it because you don't have that contribute to it because you can't work on it organically um yeah so you kind of present complete ideas to each other and they send their complete ideas back and then you mush them together (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. So it is a it's a quicker and more efficient process. You think, it is, but I think ways. you 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 can risk losing some of the 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 human connection around it. It can be a bit clinical if it's too precise. So I would take yeah, abandoned room any day to write songs. It's just not as much yeah. fun, yeah. is it? It's not as much fun, <laughs> but it does sharpen your technical skills to record sure into your laptop. I just have a little story to tell. I used to work with a band back in Rochester called Uncle Sam. They were they were kind of like a precursor to Guns N' Roses, and we all they all drank heavily. And so we all got in the studio the first day to record their second album or whatever it was. And like you say, you you have to be more focused. We spent the entire first day in the the break room playing a, a game called quarters where we were flipping quarters and the loser, whoever got, it was like horseshoes, but you had to drink a beer every time you lost. And the entire floor of the break room was in about this much of beer by the end of the day and no recording got done. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. Rock already. and roll, man. It's rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I was just saying that like a, a lot of the stuff these days is a, is a lot more clean living and and as you say mm. everyone's doing therapy albums you know because it, it's it's not as acceptable to do that these days like you know you, you're going to venues that are smoke free you're going to places where you know like none of that and I sort of think what happened to rock and roll what what's exactly the point? Oh, got it. um I I, I got to be honest I was um, less taken with this than I had hoped to be. Um, I, I get exactly what they're doing. I get where they're coming from. It's very, you know, efficient, professional. Uh, but it just struck me as very, very familiar um, pop, punk, post-punk, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was just thinking, I remember being at Laneway uh, in Silo Park in 2016. It was an American band called Fiddler who played. Right. Yes. And, you know, my God, you know, they were my favourite ever band at that point in time, really? you know, because it just exploded <laughs> on stage. Um, two days later, I'd probably forgotten about them, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but at that moment, and that's what I felt about these people, you know, that in the moment that it's happening, and I think they, I'd love to see them live, I think it'd be really great. But I personally, you know, I don't know that I would c keep coming back to it because a lot of it I have heard before. And I do ask myself, um, and yes, they were on the project. I've never seen the project, so I wouldn't have a clue what it is, but it's on the project, I believe. But, you know, if there were no New Zealanders involved in, in this band, or, you know, expat New Zealanders, would they have been on the project? Yeah. Uh, it, was the music what got them on the project, or was it just because they were local? Probably, yeah. Um, because I, my guess is that there's a hell of a lot of songs and albums out there like what these people do. I think it's absolutely fine what they do. And as I say, I would enjoy it on the day or on the night when I was seeing it, but I wouldn't return to it. Right. And I think and that, just, they, they sound great. The, the sound is okay. It's, they need some songs. They need something that pushes them above the just the, the rabble of everybody making a record as quickly as possible. And, and hey, that's what yeah. they're doing because mm. they've already got the second one ready. I have a couple of comments on uh, the transits yeah, I mean, too. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah, so um, uh, I appreciated the context, Andrew, of um, knowing that these songs were quite, um, they, they were written a long time ago and they've sort of pulled them together more recently. Um, it did have quite an adolescent feel around the songwriting, uh, which I, I dug. You know, it had a, a pop punk aesthetic. Um, it reminded me a lot of like the more mature Blink-182 records, um, you know, once they had sort of incorporated a few different elements. Uh, Alkaline Trio is another band that came to mind listening to The Transits. Has that sort of darker emo edge to the pop punk. Um, and I really liked the track Renegade Hearts. That would be my pick from the record. Um, cool lyrics um, about rising to life's challenges. And the verses reminded me of the head on the door record by the cure. There was some like jangly sounding keyboard touches there that drew me in. That'd be my pick. Yeah. And there's a little more synthy yeah, than I, the I other ones as well. Less yeah. I thought there was good percussion as well. Renegade hearts. It had, it was sort of new wave and danceable and good percussion section going on. The time is now. Test on 
Okay, well, that's the transits for you. Not great, but not horrible. Would that sum it up? <laughs> Room to yeah, grow. I, 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 Next I, record, I, I have a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. How old I, are I agree with Graham. Gra- <laughs> All right. You know, there were there was some familiar sound. I almost thought Snow Patrol in places or Green Day and and but it I think it had something. I, I think that yeah, I'm I'm I'll be interested in the next All album right. for sure. Well now the 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 uh, album that Graham is gonna talk about has been getting rave reviews. I believe The Guardian has given it five stars already. So uh that's high praise indeed. Brittany Howard, uh What Now is the name of the album, her from Alabama Shakes. All right, Graham, tell us all about it. Um well I'm I'll concede I came rather late to Alabama Shakes. I don't think I even heard their first album. Was it called Girls and Boys or something like that? Um, I don't think I even heard it. I heard the second album, um, most of it, and was very impressed. And there were a couple of tracks that I heard down the years, and one of them I've mentioned in my review, uh, you know, that, that just knocked me out. You know, this woman's voice was just something very special, you know, very expressive voice. Um, the one that I particularly like, and I bore people witless, and I used to bore my university students with it by playing it as, uh, it's called Don't Want to Fight. And all she, she repeats over and over the line, I don't want to fight. Uh, this is in Al- Alabama Shakes. Um, and the way she repeats it, it changes in tone the whole way. You know, you get... She's angry. I don't want to fight, but that's an egg. But then there's a resignation comes through and defeat just in the one line. So, you know, she has this really expressive voice. And they're a great, I think they're a great rock and soul, rock band, whatever you want to call it. Um, And they had, you know, obviously had that sort of southern rock quality about them. Um, I loved her debut solo album called Jamie, which came out in 2009. I just thought, oh, man, this is so breathtakingly good because it was quite different. Um, And for anybody who sort of knows contemporary jazz, there was a guy called Robert Glasper who's on it, who, you know, plays keyboards. Uh, And, you know, there there was this kind of a move away from standard rock tropes or R&B. It was all still there, but there was something going on it was just that little bit different. Uh, and it was just, it had some really lovely tracks on it too. There was a confessional ballad called Georgia. Uh, and the line was, I, I, I just want Georgia to notice me. And this is, you know, her as a child professing her, you know, love for a, a, another young girl. And, you know, that to me, just mentioning that, it kind of raises a question that, that I think about quite a lot. Um, you know, do we mention the sexuality of an artist, their age, their colour or whatever, if it doesn't impact on the way they create their music, the shape of their music, you know, it, is it necessary or can you just leave that aside? Now, obviously, you know, like Ezra Furman and Anani and those sort of people, you can't not note the fact that, you know, they have they were males, but now right. they, but what about I like David know, Bowie? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what the hell was it? <laughs> <laughs> and was he just faking oh, for yeah. a while? Yeah. But so, you know, I, I, I will just put it out there. Uh, you know, uh, Brittany Howard, she's black. Uh, she's a lesbian. Uh, and that certainly to some level feeds into a great deal of what she does. But those are not identifiers for her music i don't right. think i don't i don't think you say well um you know i'm a big indigo girls fan so therefore i'm going to like <clears throat> what she does because it's you know completely different you can just come to her and go this is what she's doing this is what she's giving us and on this album this new album uh she's giving us a a little bit of <laughs> um, re- really good um, Prince funk rock in places. So I just thought, just to get us into the, you know, some part of it, um, if we could just play the first minute of this track, Power to Undo, where it becomes Prince. It's a mystery that you used to hold me, like I was holy. Okay, oh yeah, I know I used to miss the way you Lonely. You have the power to undo everything that 
that happens again in other places. You know, you you feel her sort of erring towards Paisley Park. It's a real celebratory album in many ways. Uh, I get the impression that, you know, the hard times may be behind her a little bit. Um, finding her space in the world as a musician, as a woman, you know, all of that seems to have kind of come together. The thread in the album is about love and, and you know, how love hurts and love heals and the danger you you risk when you give your heart to somebody that that all of that sort of comes through in the album there's some lovely quiet material on it too there's one one particular one it's a kind of soulful blues and i can almost picture her in this nightclub it's in black and white and the cigarette smoke is just gently calling up to the ceiling uh, so we can just play a little bit of that it's called to be still to be a flower in your garden I drink your whole pop water I wonder how delicate is your touch For something you love so much I wonder if I didn't have to wonder Those two tracks, uh, you know, Power to Undo, like Prince Funk, and that one there, which I don't want to say Billy Holiday, but I just did say you Billy did. Holiday. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like that, it's the image, not the yeah. sound. But, you know, that, you know, there are two poles on the album, and there's all sorts of other lovely stuff on it. So I think it's an album with a lot of breadth and a lot of musical depth. That's what really takes me mm-hmm. into it. You know, I'm listening for things constantly that are just gently appearing and disappearing. And if we could get away with just one last of one. Of course. Um, there's a track called Samson, and it's about being hurt and giving hurt in a relationship, you know, unintentionally, but whatever. Uh, and in it, in the far distance, you know, you can just hear this kind of Miles Davis trumpet that lonely, moody, romantic trumpet that just comes in and just it just sits there. So it's everything from, you know, dance floor funk. This are real, you know, uplifting, celebratory songs. This is sort of slow burners, and then something like, like Samson. I'm splitting too. I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's me or you. I'm splitting too. beautiful thing and you're right yeah it's got everything going on in it and what i really like about the album is that it feels like an album like she's kind of uh linked all the songs together all the tracks with these kind of singing bowls did you hear that so that uh, she's obviously made put a lot of thought and effort into this thing it's it's completely coherent even though 
everything I've said suggests that there's bits and pieces of all this stuff. But to me, it just sounds like a very coherent piece of extremely well thought out song craft, writing and, and creativity. Yeah. And I, we were talking about drumming earlier. I think the drumming is outstanding on this one. Uh, Nate Smith, I think, is the name of the guy. And also the uh, bass player from Alabama Shakes, Zach Cockrell, is, uh, is mm. part of the rhythm section. And they, they hold up pretty well throughout the thing. So it, I, mm. I agree. It's a great record. What do you think, Andra? Yeah, I, I thought this was a righteous album. <laughs> uh, and and Brittany Howard was in a class all of her own. Um, she's Her chops are amazing. Um, and, and like I say, I, I mean, at one stage I was thinking it's like she's throwing everything in the kitchen sink in it, but, it, but she's a virtuoso. It's like she's really... Um, she's i mean she's a multi-instrumentalist too so she's got all this experience and this knowledge and this skill and talent and and she's clearly listened to so much music in her lifetime and i think that she's kind of composing in a way that kind of takes it all in and as you say makes it really cohesive um there, there were so many different styles but the you know and her earlier stuff i was looking at sound like vintage motown yep. like gladys knight the temptations yep. well there's like, some stevie wonder in there too was, i think speaking of motown yeah, but it was like pitch perfect. Like, a, you know, if, if you couldn't kind of, it's like a, this alchemical realization of this grand virtuoso fully in her element. Like she has just, it's fully realized. Like the, it's it's incredibly well produced. I, I mean, I heard Grace Jones. I heard this funky soul music. And, you know, What Now, for example, was just heavy and funky, but Samson's got shades of Portishead or Massive right, Attack, right. you know, that teardrop sound. Like the brass was beautiful. It was such a great choice. Obviously, elements of jazz in there, and and yeah, as I said, that I've got slow confessional style too for Samson, yeah. and experimental as well. Like there was like this what a wonderful world kind of Louis Armstrong vibe, <laughs> but but pop and R and B in it. Like yeah. you know, you sound like insane when you're describing yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, but if you listen to it, yeah. it makes sense. And it's one thing to have all these different styles and influences popping up and that's great but it but to be able to make it sound like a cohesive cohesive whole and make sense is is quite an achievement i think chris you got thoughts yeah she's got she's got full control yeah yeah Brittany howard as an artist is is new to me i haven't actually heard alabama shakes so i didn't okay. have a lot of the context thanks for filling me in um <laughs> and my impression of this record was that it demanded full attention. I put it on a couple of times whilst once while driving, whilst while doing some dishes, and my brain couldn't quite make sense of it. I heard all of these different, you know, funk, pop, soul elements, layered production, and it's the type of album that I feel needs your full attention. Otherwise, it could be quite unsettling. There's a lot going on in the background. So I'm looking forward to uh, putting this on headphones and uh, giving it the full attention. Yeah, I think this is a good headphone record. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't have a lot of money. So the, the, the test these days is, will I buy that on vinyl? Yeah, and I was I was certainly yeah, be buying. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean <laughs> on both accounts there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Veronica, and uh, you you're all excited about this Chelsea Wolf album. The I think the title is called "She Reaches Out to She Reaches Out to She," which I'm not sure what that means, but maybe you can fill me in on that as well. That is correct, Marty. I really enjoyed this week um, a little bit too much. It's actually only <laughs> what I listen to. Oh, I'll, I'll be. Yeah, yeah, I really Are you like okay? this album. Because it's kind of dark, kind of gothy. Um, that's a whole other podcast, Marty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> today, I think we'll just chat about uh, Chelsea Wolf. But all right, what's know. the name of the album first? <laughs> it, it kind of goes on and on. It does, it does, and I, I kind of interpret it as sounding like this: she reaches out to, she reaches, reaches out to, reaches out to, like oh, she it's... reaches out to, she reaches out to. I think is supposed to be the. It sounds like a delay, right? Doesn't it? A little bit. Mm -hmm. It's it's important that I say that before I start talking about the album because. <laughs> So for me, the song Tunnel Lights kind of solidified to me that this album, in my personal opinion, humble opinion for what it's worth, 
is going to change the world for the better. It's haunting, electric, thought-provoking, and deeply emotional to listen to. And I genuinely cried. So if this is, if you like, if you're a bit of a sad girl, if you're a bit of a sad boy, but you, you, you have this lightheartedness about you, the song is definitely for you. So we'll listen to that now. That's new music from Chelsea Wolf from the new album. Veronica's, you seem to be crying a lot on this podcast. I'm worried about you. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, look, um, the, the lamented life of a creative. I don't know. No, <laughs> look, so Chelsea Wolf released She Reaches Out to She Reaches Out to She on February 9th. And it was produced by Dave Sitek. So picture this. A clinically depressed Gen Zer with an affinity for Lana Del Rey and Muse, etchings of Grimes and a dash of their parents' thrashing of Radiohead as they were young. This is a true exercise in musical mastermind with a geni- with genius progressions and a deeply touching vocal delivery that cuts you to the core. Chelsea Wolfe really said, I'm not messing around with this record. It's powerful, it's deeply symbolic and utterly ethereal. Its distortion and use of delays and echoes transcend you into an echo chamber of smoky marble, which is why I want to bring back to the name of the album, which is kind of seems like this delay. I think this is a theme that she really wants to um, implement in this album. You know, this like, you're always stuck a little bit before you go forward I don't know that's kind of how I took it so in short this album feels like it needs to be in a super massive black hole cave and for the music to engulf you in all its richness and vibrancy it's an album that has the possibility to be a complete cultural reset Um, the crowing vocals are layered in a shimmery overtone of disdain and darkness thematically chaotic as in execution but perfectly done so The entire album, however, has an amazing vastness in the void of heartbreak and betrayal. And I think we should listen to Salt next. personal favorites it sort of makes me think of like a lamented love in a way I mean you can read into any song the way in which you you sort of want to and I think Chelsea really encourages the listener on this album to go and put their own feelings into what she has created which is like a a piece of art Um, it's not just she's not just a songwriter she really sort of um displays how the voice is an instrument in itself you know there are moments in the record where um the voice is like quite far back in the mix but it kind of makes sense because everything else is so like 
hollow and echo chambery. It's um, listen to it loud. That's my suggestion. Okay. So, um, Chelsea creates this idea that one can can thrive in chaos, and you totally can. The whole album feels like one prolonged idea, and one of the most perfect displays of songs appropriately flowing from one to another. They seem to kind of come as one whole song and sort of ebbs and flows um and having that follow-on from each previous song was actually a really nice surprise um i feel like that's not something that i personally have seen because she i mean i would say that she's sort of like an alt pop kind of girly um she is she is still pretty pop as well so she's you know definitely right up my alley but um in pop, I think that there's a lack of albums going from one song to another as if it's one whole song. Right. I miss that. I right. really miss that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what we heard We, we heard on Brittany Howard because she linked everything together with these mm. little bowl sounds that she got. So, yeah. Yeah, super cool. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like it's a true testament to an artist um, that has – clearly spent meticulously creating a record um, that is polished to perfection um unseen world was a big standout for me as well i felt like it was like the psychedelic magnum opus right i felt like um you know you really you really do get lost in listening to all of the different layers of instruments that she has on the track you can sort of like listen to each sounds I don't know if this sounds crazy but like you can ice you can easily even if you're not like a super music nerd in my opinion to like pinpoint what each different instrument is doing and how it sounds like and that becomes the lead for a second and then you listen to something else and then that becomes the lead so it's all kind of chaotic but in a in oh it's like oh it's like magic okay. um <laughs> anyway um so uh Place in the Sun um, was sort of like had this uh, it sort of borderlines absolute tranquility to a level of comfort in, uh, in its complexities and moving soundscapes. Um, the visual in- imagery sent me to the movie Interstellar and sort of ha- I had this feeling of Hans Zimmer for a re- for some reason. <laughs> um, I felt like that really came through with the track. I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know what, if I was to DJ this, God forbid, if I was to DJ this, I would DJ it into time. I kind of felt like for some reason that sort of evoked that that feeling in me. Right. Um, but, you know, to sum it all up, really, um, something else that visually, um, sorry, something else the album visually reminded me of, which was, again, something really pleasant you know when a when an album has the ability to invoke imagery that's that's outside of that particular artistic project um i felt like the i don't know if you've seen the movie enter the void i can't remember i should have it sounds like something i'd want to see it's a psychological drama that's sort of set in like nightclubs of, of Tokyo and follows this guy who likes to um broaden his mindscapes and you kind of <laughs> Right. <laughs> Take that as you will. All right. It, 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 watch it though. It's okay, it's one it of out. the most bizarre. It's bizarre though, but it's cool. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So, it's sort of in the movie. There's this piercing one note synth that plays the whole way through, but then it like becomes familiar by the end, and suddenly become the sorry, and it's suddenly unbearable when it stops. Okay. It kind of bothers you for a little bit, and then you're like, "Oh no, hang on, this makes total sense." There, there was elements of um, the instrumentation, particularly in the guitar. I think whether it was a, I think it was actually a real guitar um, as opposed to a sample, but there was some frequency in there that I actually felt deeply uncomfortable listening to in certain parts like um for example the track i'm going back a little bit but like um eyes like nightshade like i had in my notes written down skittish and unsettling (laughs) yeah really unsettling like i but then i i sort of thought about it in uh, in context with the rest of the tracks and i thought this is entirely intentional right because she has those moments of tranquility, as I said, in um, in place in place in the sun. Um, but so I think the album 
in itself could keep going on and on after the final song, which again matches up to the album name. Oh, so good, so cool. Which is the <laughs> icing on the cake for me. Like this idea that the pendulum takes you from place to place and time and memory and that there's like this unsettling feeling of like I've been here before but I'm still comfortable in that. I think it's a gorgeous way to end a prolific body of work. It's an album that keeps giving upon each listen with the listener finding something new to discover about the complexities and instrumentation. The album its, uh, name itself suggests repetition. And just like the cathartic looping of delayed vocals that has encapsulated the album to its core, um, might I remind you of the supermassive black hole cave that I st- started talking about with and think about how much of a perfect venue that would be to listen to an album like this. That sounds pretty wild. And you're okay <laughs> after listening to it all that time now. Yeah. 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 It's, listen, it's cheaper than therapy, guys. Go listen to it. Okay. Alrighty. I promise I'm all right. Okay. Very good. Um, okay. Um, again, she's an artist that I'm not especially familiar with. I, I get the feeling that I heard Abyss some time back, one, one of her albums. Um but when I looked back and saw her album titles, uh, The Grime and the Glow, Apocalypsis, Pain is Beauty, uh, Birth of Violence, you know, <laughs> you know this is not for me. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, this does not sound like it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Right. Um, uh, that, and so when I, when I first started to listen to this, I kind of got it, you know, the goth electronica, another therapy album i thought you know um and on the first couple of tracks and and i got it and i thought yeah it's powerful i don't know how much further i would like to you know explore this but then suddenly that track everything turns blue the third one in i thought oh wow wait a minute this is something else going on here and then after that there was one called tunnel lights and I just thought if you're coming new to this album, I would think maybe start at track three and four, you know, just it, it, it because it's more like an art rock electronica thing to me. Um, and uh, Place in the Sun struck me as, you know, very, very radio here. Right. So for, for me, my first response to it was determined by those, you know, those first two tracks. Um, and I just put it in the context of, you know, people like, I don't know, uh, very recent Gary Newman, for example. You know, um, I remember seeing him a few years ago now, you know, and, you know, it's like Gary Newman plus Trent Reznor, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of overpowering sound, which is just thrilling when it hits you in the chest. Yep. Um, and I could see that on the first two tracks here, that's where she was going. And so I just presumed oh, well, you know, it's going to be a fairly relentless ride. But then it turns around, and I was absolutely hot oh, great. on this album. Uh, will I go back and listen to the first two tracks a few more times? Yes, I did. I still came away with the same impression <laughs> and was just waiting for the third and fourth tracks to come up and take me on this other other journey. So, yeah, I, I, I was very impressed with All this. All very good. Andrew, what did you were you? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd say I was. I'm glad Graham suggested um, Trent Reznor because yeah, my first track, "The Whispers in the Echo Chamber," I've got haunting, dark, gothic rock reminiscent of Nine Inch Nails. So I I felt the same way. Um, there was I thought some some great lyrics in there. Um, Surrounded by living ghosts, you see, I thought I had to swallow them before they swallowed right. me. I thought you know, there's kind of this esoteric, interesting, you know, haunting kind of strong creep factor i could again i could see this as a a horror movie theme it's almost bauhaus flavored at times Mm. um with some heavy and metal industrial stuff thrown in um 
House of Self Undoing, I really liked heavy metal. It sort of moves and it grooves. It would be a great nighttime driving song. There's always atmospheric, whisper, witchy, hypnotic stuff going on. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah, Flatlands had violin and pop, almost a Kate Bush influence. I sort of thought like that that ballad, but with full sound. Um, and just an interesting aside, everything turns blue reminded me. It's got the same, you know, the title track to. Brittany Howard's got every color in yeah, blue, so yeah. just kind of similar sounding track yeah. titles. But but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting and with a, a, a bigger explore later when when I had right. more well, time. It's interesting you mentioned Brittany compared to because the Brittany Howard record, uh, I think I noticed a note where everything was uh, real instruments played, you know, analog. You know, uh, there was no drum tracks and blah blah blah. Everything was real, and that's certainly not the case. I don't think on uh, on Chelsea Wolfe. So. What, what do you think about that, Chris? You're the, you're the resident musician here for the moment. Yeah, it's um, it's. I think Chelsea Wolfe has found a good middle ground on this record between natural instruments and kind of um, uh, using the studio as an instrument. Um, this this album has much more of an electronic feel, and I've never been a big fan of Chelsea Wolfe. I've always felt like she's you know she's got these grungy post-rock infused heavy riffs matched with quite a witchy folky songwriting and i felt those elements kind of clashed a bit and i could never quite set like reconcile the differences in my brain but on this record it's like the electronica has actually fused those more natural instruments with with the electronic studio sound so this was far more appealing to me than any of her other music i i really liked it all right that's cool uh, it sounds like we had a pretty strong quartet of albums this week so it's good to good to deal with we don't have to make excuses for anybody <laughs> all right and and now uh since we've we've covered these four records i thought We'll just check around and see what's on everybody's mind. Now, Graham, uh, you and I both recently reviewed or interviewed uh, Graham Nash, uh, of formerly of the Hollies and of Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young or whatever, because he's coming to town, which uh, I just did mine today. So he's kind of fresh in my mind. I'm just curious what you and everybody else thinks about an 82 year old Graham Nash still out there doing it. And, you know, he's got this legacy of all these people, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and David Crosby and all that. And what were your, what was your impression when you spoke with him, Graham? Uh, he was exactly as I expected. A very nice yeah, man. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's English. Um, <laughs> he's very, very polite. Um, I, I did mention what I wrote for the listener, and there's an expanded version of it up at my website. You know, it, it, What's this album called now? Yes, now. Or something. <laughs> now, you know, the, well, you know the, the the thing about these old musicians, and I've interviewed any number of them. You know, the black black blues guys, they you know they're, they're happy to be legacy artists, but all these other ones, they you know, they believe they're still relevant. Yep. You know, they've got something to say. Yep. You know, um, and you know, look, I, I I suppose he is to a certain demographic. Um, I I've interviewed. You know the whole full house of those nice guys. One. You know Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know um, he. I've always thought, and I actually I mentioned this. I mentioned I got away with it. Um, <laughs> he is like the lukewarm water right. between yeah. the fire <laughs> and really ice. The spinal tap reference, you know. Um, and and he is. Uh, that that's how I see him. You know, he's he was not. You know that volatile David uh, David Crosby yep, yep, guy. Yep. He is not that sort of clinical hard edge Stephen Stills, and he's certainly not Neil yep. Young. Um, but you know, the, the, it's a nice album, yep. and I think the songs will come up. He's you know he's t- traveling with a great band. They always do these guys. Um, I've never much liked his voice, Frank. Uh, you know, it was sort of a bit thin and weak. Well, the thing is, he's a harmony singer. That's what he was with the Hollies, exactly. and that's kind of what he was with yeah. CSN too. So. You know, that's where he's yeah, best. So that's, where, that's where he fits in the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on, on that album, he sings about being in the Hollies, doesn't yeah. he? And yeah. so there's a few songs like yeah. that. So, so you know, he, he's a man of his age and a man of his generation. And um, 
as I say, a very nice man. I'm going to go and see him just out of curiosity. I have seen him once before when he played with Crosby and Stills. Um, and uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, he wasn't the most exciting of the of the ones on stage. What I do admire about him is um, his politics. Yeah. Oh yeah, he has <laughs> always been political. He wrote Chicago, all, that song Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as they all were, of course. Um, and he's still out there saying it and doing it. And I don't know if in your interview, oh, he pulls no punches when you mention Trump. <laughs> Mention Donald Trump and just want to shut up, you know, like, uh, which is true for many many of those people you talk to. Yep. You, know, you don't want to get Steve, Steve Earle started on Donald Trump. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, so you know, I, I kind of admire that about him. I admire the fact that he's still out there doing it. I think that the songs are they're well crafted, you know, folk pop songs in the idiom that he's most comfortable. So. You know, I, I, I'll go along and um, just, you know, see see what it's yeah, like. All right, we'll check with the youngsters here, yeah, Andra and Chris. <laughs> Do you even know who we're talking about? <laughs> I know I know Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah, well, this is And the that's Nash. as far as my knowledge goes. All right, very good. Andra? Uh, I remember listening to the Hollies as a very young kid. It was one of the few bands outside of punk that Dad liked, so I, I, I did get a bit of the Hollies. Um, and I think you, you've got to give it to him that his contribution to rock and roll and music history yep. um, can't be ignored, you know. And I think that that's part of with that generation of of rock music and music in general is is that. You know, when when somebody has has reached that pinnacle of their career and they've they've had an impact over decades, that you you sort of can't remove their influence from yep. music. There, there's there's too many bands that have come after them that have been influenced by what they've done, and mm-hmm. they they might not be um, the front man or or whatever, but but what they've achieved is has kind of led us to where we are now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I I, I rate. The Hollies, and I've enjoyed Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, it's it's not my favourite musical genre. I was just raised by punk, and and yep. so punk, post punk, rock. That that's kind of where I'm happily in my wheelhouse. But I will always recognise a musician who who's you know put put in their their hard yards and and has come out the other side having accomplished a body of work that is is really worthwhile and and kind of unignorable yeah. and he sounds really. and looks great these days so and he's 82 so yeah. you got to give him that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if you've still got the chops you've still got the chops that's you know you can either somebody crosby stills nash you know without young just let's take those sure. three i mean they, they recalibrated the compass of popular yep. music at that time you know, they, they brought something into popular music which just simply hadn't been there or was almost invisible in terms of, you know, three three harmony singers, um, intelligent lyrics, yep. acoustic, uh, and musically very, very ambitious for, you know, given what else was going on around yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, kudos for all of yep, that. Yep, yep, yep. Andrew, was there anything else on your mind music-wise this week that you want to mention? Oh, I, I just um, checked out fun, um, the um, Fun Loving Criminals. Right. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> just fantastic as ever, you know, just great fun, comedic, but, you know, funky rap, uh, you know, obviously 100% Colombian, 100% New York. <laughs> <laughs> Only one original criminal there, but they still pulled it off pretty well. That's true. That's true. And you know, we I went to the after party afterwards, and they were actually there um, inexplicably DJing um, and playing Queen. I, I, why? I, that's not right. After their entire, it was just it really threw me. To be honest, I was like, they're playing Queen. Why? <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was expecting King of New York, you know. Like, I yep. mean, I don't know why you'd want to free John Gotti, but um, I guess they are. <laughs> well, they're criminals. That's right. Like, <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, the men committed at least five murders, but okay. Yeah. Well, you know, Bob Dylan sang that song about oh, Joey. It was about uh, yeah, so. And I guess Helter Skelter, you know, the Beatles. Uh, Joey, why did they have to go and blow you away? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, Chris. You're the. <laughs> what are you? What's on your mind? Anything? Yeah, two tracks this week. Um, 
the new crowded house song oh hi oh that's right yeah um that is i actually strongly disliked it at first but with a couple of days to let it breathe um it it became joyously catchy rather than annoyingly catchy um and so kind of meeting it on its own terms a really fun song and i'm super excited for what comes next from the finn family um and the new Pearl Jam track Dark Matter dropped yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. And it's superb. They're hitting their sweet spot in terms of being slow and heavy, well, kind of mid tempo and heavy. And um, it's it just rocks. It makes me really excited. Yay. I like, I always, I know they're not that cool and hip, but I always kind of like Pearl Jam. I don't know why. It's kind of like uh, Grunge's version of Leonard Skinner, which sounds awful. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I don't get that, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, they got a new album coming out. Too. The new Pearl Jam album is out the same day as the new um, Taylor Swift. Uh, what's her name? Taylor Swift That's album. Right. So we'll see. I wonder which one will go to number one. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, that's plenty of sound thinking for today. But thank you all for uh, taking part. And uh, we'll see some of you next week or the week after. But uh, it's, it's all good. Maybe we'll go out with a little Pearl Jam just to annoy people. Take the blood from my chest. Take the blood from my chest.